Father, I bow before your throne. I come through the broken body of Jesus Christ and through his blood before your throne. Father, these people are not here for me. They don't want to hear me or see me. They want to hear you and see you. Please, take over this gathering. You know every single person. You are not church. You are not religion. You are not Christianity. You are God. We are here for you. Unto you shall the gathering of your people be. Let it be that today is a day you appointed to meet us in this place at this time. To redefine the way we live. The way we see God or think about God. Father, you know I'm nothing without you. Come Holy Ghost, come. Glorify the name of Jesus. Let every voice, every wisdom, every knowledge, and every power become now subject with the blood of Jesus Christ. Set I bind you. Be gone in Jesus' name. This habitation is fashioned in the Lord's presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if I have a little bit of a magazine here and a little brochure, also an updated form of my book, Fresh Breath. Years ago, as I landed in Carolinas, the brother came to pick me in the airport. As I sat in the car, I felt liquid fire fell on my head. It ran through my hands. The Lord said to me, start writing. And start producing magazines. So out of that came this. And this. I have some few for those of you today. Uh, and I will do that, give to you that letter, please. But let's go ahead today. And begin in the Bible. We are living in a very exciting time. A very great time indeed. A very wonderful time indeed. Uh, and the way you see the times we live in will determine how. Whether you will be able to be effective, fruitful in it or not. Uh, this can be the best times of for so many people, it can also be the worst times for some. And sometimes you wonder, how come that person is having a good time while I'm having a bad time? We are all in the same day, in the same city, in the same season, even in the same church. But how come somebody's seeing it in a different way? And, but I want to let you know, and I would even ask you this question. What do you think has been or is the greatest influence in your life. What has influenced your life the most? Or what influences your life the most? You know, many times uh, we uh, look up to people. We say, that person has influenced my life so much. Oh, I was inspired here. Oh, I was challenged here. Oh, I was blessed here and there. Uh, and many times we refer to people like those who have had the greatest impact in our lives. Or, you know, like in the town we live in, there's so much discoveries and new things, maybe new medicines and new drugs and, or new kind of technology that really affect all our lives. So that's having this like, iPad and this and that. Everything is changing. The new developments, the new Oh, we are up there in this mass. Oh, we are up there in the moon. Wow. Oh, new tech is changing the way we live. 
or you met somebody who influenced your life, or, or whatever, or a song, or a music, or a talent, or somebody who's gifted. But what do you think has influenced your life the most? Or influences your life the most? Is there any one particular thing you can say? Well, some of you will say, Jesus Christ has influenced my life the most. But what is that one thing that really makes maximum impact in your life? Now, I want you and I to understand the power of word. The greatest influence in your life and mind is word. And the greatest influence on earth and in the very universe is word. And every turning point in any season in your life whether good or bad, there will be a word present. And so, wouldn't that be wonderful today that today in your life there come a turning point? You know, some people may say, oh, the prayer, oh, the power, oh, the anointing, and that's wonderful. I was preaching, and please, while I'm speaking, make sure you are open to healings and miracles because I may not have time to lay hands on anybody. Last Sunday, I had meetings in, in Miami, I flew from Prague to Paris on Thursday, then flew from Paris to Miami almost 10 hours sitting in the same plane. And then last Sunday, there was such an explosion in the church. I didn't even have to lay hands on people. The key to change, the key to a turning point is word. God stood at the corridor of eternity and he looked into nothingness and he spoke his word. He sent his word and his word gave substance to emptiness. Many people are running on empty. Even Christians in the churches. We have not learned the power of word. We have not given the word its rightful place in our thinking. You know, we are feeling people. We are emotional creatures. So most times we go by emotions and feelings and inspiration. We admire people. We admire them. We are fascinated by the stars and the moon and all we can see with our eyes or hear with our ears or feel. We are so much fascinated, but we forget that the real fascination is in one thing, the word, the word, the word. And we are in this, a generation, a season where we People are running around for prophecies. They are always looking for a prophecy and prophecy. And I'm not against prophecy. I prophesy too. But sometimes people are giving much attention to the prophets and their words that they forget. 
But the real thing is the word of God. So we always look for somebody, some man, some woman, you know, who have this power. Power without the word of God is witchcraft. So we have to understand the most dominant, powerful, influential thing in our human existence. It is not you. It is not me. It is not America. It is not politics. It is not Russia that is shaking the world. It is the word. The word of God. All these are noises. You know, I tell people that the devil is a showman. He likes to steal the show. He likes to make a... and then just get people's attention. The buzzing around like everything, you know. So, but, but you have to understand the power, the influence, the position of the word. That's what is shaking the world. And that's what is shaping the world. And that's what is propelling the universe. The word is spoken by God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things was made by the word. All things. All things. Not some things, all things. You see, you are living in a world created by the word. You are living in a world created by the word. Chapter 11 of Hebrews says, through faith, we understand that all things were formed, fashioned, ordered, and propelled by the word. The Bible says, by the word of his mouth, he propels the universe. You have to understand the power of the word. What does it mean to be saved? To be saved is to receive the word in your heart. You may be looking for an age, a drive, and something to move you forward. And you can be looking for it all in the wrong places. When you are serious, really, for the real thing, you come to the word. Because God and his word is one. You know, we are in a time where one thing is happening almost to everybody. We are losing control. Man is scared. Governments are scared. Pastors, churches are scared. We are 
losing control of nature. Man is losing control. And we are scared of losing control. There's one thing we don't like is to lose control. So we, some people who are picking up in age, they are scared. Will my eyes still be seen when I'm 75? Will my ESC be walking? Who will help me? Who will lead me? Who will guide me? How will I live if I have no more strength when I can't drive anymore? What would I do if I lose my job? Or will I lose my family? Will I lose this? So we are so scared about losing control. Will I be married? Will somebody marry? Will I have the money to pay my bills? How can I be sure that everything will be all right? And we know that much of what we have people are putting their confidences today are failing. The governments are failing. I'm not scared when governments fail. They are destined to fail. It ought to fail. You know, I'm not worried about when the war is collapsing. That's how it's supposed to be. But there is one thing that will never fail. <laughs> Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall endure. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word, my word, my word, my word, my word, my word. <laughs> People do church. They do Christianity. They are busy with activity, but they don't know the key to the power. Some think we need something new, some modern thing, some modern age, some modern preachers with charisma and power. They think we need some kind of modern Christianity. They think we need some kind of more organized and structured just to, you know, what do they call it? What are kind of, you know, just to focus on the paper. If you focus on the people, you lose the people. I never focus on the people. I don't run after people. <laughs> I run after the word. I never run after money. Money is stupid. <laughs> I learned that long time ago. <laughs> never run after people. And don't run after money. And don't run after power. I have learned, and I hope you know, I have known the secret of power. God had nothing. <laughs> he stood there. He didn't have any machines or tractors or hammer or screws or nothing. He stood there. All he had was his word. And he sent his word. His word is a living thing. Woo. And he said to Moses, come up to the mountain, Moses, and I will give you what will shape everything. Moses. Hey. You wait for me here down, boys and girls. Stay here. I'm going to God to bring something that will change everything. Ah. Uh -huh. 
What would that look like? God told me to come the mountain and he would give me something wonderful. I will shape and form and direct and empower and give us all that we need. So wait down when I go up, I'm gonna he's gonna give me something, 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 something. Everyone said, Whoa, what is he going to give to Moses? And Moses climbed the mountain. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he was there on the mount. And everybody was waiting to see what he would come down with. And here comes Moses after 40 days. And all he had in his hand was two stone tablets. Ten Commandments. And they say, Is that it? Is that everything going to change everything and everybody? And make us a great nation and make us strong and give us victory of our enemies and feed our children, take care of our families, give us peace in society. That's it. Is that what he went to the mountain to get? He <laughs> spent 40 days. And he came back with what? Like some of you come to the meeting every Sunday morning and they say, I'm going to church. I will bring something home. And they are wondering, what would that be? Will your, the color of your hair change? What will happen? You're coming back with, and here comes Moses after 40 days and 40 nights on the mount with God Almighty. And all that God gave to him was the written word and two tablets of stone. The people are so surprised. Do you know Moses is back here? What did he bring? Some new philosophy, revelations, some new ideas that will change the world and make us the best nation on earth, make us the strongest nation, give us power to overcome all our enemies, help us to take over the promised land. And, and you know what he came back with? With two little stone tablets, with just words written on it by the finger of God. <laughs> Do you understand? God has been trying to get our attention for 2,000 years to understand the place and power and position of the very word of God. God's intention is to imprint and tattoo into your inner man his word. Many of us have the word in our head, but they are never engraved in our inner consciousness. And we are still looking for power. We are still looking for God. We are still wondering what is God doing. We are still looking for that age, that quickening. But remember, Moses, after 40 days and 40 nights with God, came down just words. God believed in his word. 
Because God and his word is one. God has no other new thing. God does not modernize. He doesn't have nothing new. <laughs> he doesn't have, why would he look for something new when the old one is walking? And walking very effectively. <laughs> he told the Jewish nation what he's going to do, how he will send the Messiah, what he will do, how he will be born, where he will be born, what will happen to him, what will he will accomplish. It was all they are written. They all read it every Sabbath. Every Sabbath they come to the to the to, to the to the synagogue. They read the same thing about how the Messiah will come, how he will be born, what he will do, how he will die and rise again, how he will conquer hell and death and the grave, how he take away the sin of humanity. They read it as a religious word. They didn't think that was the, going to be the most important and dominant thing in their life. And with their eyes open, the Messiah came, fulfilling every word because their mind was not in the word. And I pray for you and I that we don't we stop looking for God in the wrong places. We stop expecting God in our imaginations. We come to God in his own terms and in his own word. American Christianity is trying to redefine God, redefine Christianity, and give God what he ought to do. God said, no, you don't give me what to do. I give to you what I am doing. Either you enjoy what I'm doing or you do without. You, we have to meet God in his own terms. And God will never go in your own speed. Because your speed and speed are all. Can somebody say hallelujah? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. You know Abraham. God called him. Chapter 12 of the book of Genesis. He said to Abraham, leave your country, leave your land, leave your people, leave all that you know of, leave all your familiar environment and get out of them all. Can somebody say hallelujah? And so what did Abraham do in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis? Now the Lord said to said Abraham, get the Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kingdom kindred and from thy father's house unto Ellen and I will shew thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless thee that bless thee and curse him that cursed thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews it says that Abraham went not knowing where he was going can somebody say hallelujah? And, and again, it says um, in verse, uh, verse 8 says, by faith, that's chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 8 says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing why that he went. That's the journey of faith. We are in a time where we always
always want to be sure. We want to be know where we are going and how it's going to happen. <laughs> Single boys and girls, they want to marry somebody. They want to know everything about a the person. They want to know how he breathes, how he sleeps, how he eats, if he knows how to kiss or not. <laughs> now, if you know everything already, it becomes stupid and boring. Excitement, the unknown, is a wonderful thing. So here, God tell Abraham, get out from what you know. Get out from your normal environment, from your world, from your way of thinking, from your mindset. There are people who are Christians, they are believers, but they still live in the world they know. Nothing will happen to you as long as you cling to the world you know. God will let you die in the world, you know. The walk with God, the walk of faith, is you stepping out to the world you don't know. Many of us are stuck. We want to be in a family environment. Make sure we know, make sure we are in charge. We are on the driver's seat. I know you plan your way, you plan and you plan and you plan. They say, Oh God, here's my plan. Bless it. God said, sorry, I won't bless your plan. Because your plan is not my plan. It's stupid. <laughs> and your plan has got you stuck where you are today. Sometimes we are stuck in our plan. We want something to move, but nothing is moving. Because your plan has aged you around. The walk with God, the walk of faith is God speaking to you, sending his word to you, and you are stepping into the unknown. Okay, somebody say hallelujah. And if you are here this morning and your life seems to be hedged around with thorns. Because you've hedged yourself, you've tied yourself here, you've tied yourself here, you've tied yourself here. You've allowed people to shape you and form you. You are stuck. You don't know how to break free from where you are tied. Because you choose not to walk in the unknown. With the walk of faith and the walk with God is a stepping out into the unknown. Somebody say hallelujah. In chapter 15 of the same book of Genesis, we hear God making a promise to Abraham. And uh, chapter 15, after this thing, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said unto the Lord, What wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is the Elias of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, but lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thy heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bow shall be thy heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, and he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it unto him for righteousness. Life is exciting when you don't know where you get your next meal. Life is wonderful when you don't know how you're going to pay your next bill. If you don't know, you're in the right place. 
The unknown is a history of our time. Those who know are destroying the world. We are stuck in what we know because what we know has run out. What we know have no more breath in it. What you know have a season, it ends. God gets you to a place where you have no confidence in nothing, in no one, not even in yourself. God breaks your little nest and shakes you off your confidences. Where you are stripped naked and under nothing. How will I pay my next bill? Who will bury me? Where will I live? What can I jump? When you come to a place in your life, in fact, many times, the biggest miracles have happened in people's life when they are in the season of the unknown. Look at Jacob. God had to shake him out of his family. Get into a place where he was in the middle of the forest, in the middle of the desert. He was no more sure of his future. He has lost home. He has lost father and mother. He was, his life was in danger. Esau wanted to kill him because he had stolen the birthright. God met him in the whirling wilderness where he was lying in the middle of nowhere. He was between the rock and the hard place. That's when God met him. When he was still secure at home with papa and mama, with the job and everything, he was, he didn't, God didn't meet him. But the moment he was completely shaken, he was in the middle of nowhere, not knowing what the future holds. God met him. God will meet you when you are in the middle of nowhere. When all your confidences are gone. When you are no more in control, you are no more in control, somehow something has wrestled you out of control and you are now. You feel I'm sinking down. You feel I'm drowning. Where am I going to go? How? No, you are now in the place and position where God can meet you. When he was there, Jacob in the wilderness his head on the stone, lying there, knowing not what lies ahead. All the environment he has grown up in was gone. His life was in danger. He was running for his life right there in the woods, in the middle of nowhere, with his head on the stone. He doesn't know what the future holds. God gave him a vision. He saw a ladder reaching to heaven down from where he was. Angels going up and coming down. And God spoke to him. And God told him, where you are lying down is Bethel. It's the house of God. I have to shake you from your confidences and bring you to a place where you feel naked and empty, where you have nothing. You are not sure of nothing. And now, I will be your assurance. Can somebody say hallelujah? I will be your confidence. I will be your assurance. More and more in this world, man will lose and lose control. Many people, nations and cities are being broken into pieces. All we thought would endure forever is all now collapsing. And that's not a strange place to be. When your husband leaves you with no ch your children, you don't know where to run to. You are in the right place where God can meet you. 
when everything is collapsing, the business and the health and the job and everything, everything that you build your life upon is falling before your eyes. You are in the place where God can meet you. Can somebody say hallelujah? Because that's what it means to be human. In the womb, did you know where you were going? <laughs> Do you know who's going to be your mom and daddy? You didn't choose that. Is that right? No, but just imagine you didn't even have any, didn't even vote for who's going to be your dad. You didn't even vote for who's going to be your mom or even your brother. Or even your sister. I mean, such an important part of your life, you had no right to choose. You didn't, you didn't know, you didn't choose who's going to be mom or dad or, or brother or sister. You didn't even choose them. You were there in the unknown. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. And then you begin to grow up and drink some milk and eat some hamburger. And now you think you are in control. You think you're smart, you're so educated. I know what I'm doing. I know, I know I'm smart, I'm intelligent. But much of what you are using and doing was not formed by you, not even your underwear. Somebody made it, not you. All they have to do is to choose from what is available. Is that right? Your trousers. You are proud of what you got, but did you create it? No, somebody made it. The only person that doesn't need anybody or anything is God himself. Nobody made a dress for God or a shoe for God or nothing. He, he, he's, he's self-sufficient. And then the time comes. You are growing up and then there's temptations, demons and ideas and thoughts and reasons. All of them competing for your mind, for your emotion. They are trying to influence you. They are trying to come. Everywhere you turn, something is trying to control you. Somebody is trying to influence you. Every day, there are advertisements. Here, here you see pornography. Here, here you see alcohol. Here, here you see. Now, you are always, you are not really in control. Somebody, something is always trying to step in and control you. And then, you start getting older. And your left leg say, today I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and your teeth say, stop bringing strong stuff. I won't chew them again. Drink milk. And, and then you're getting older. And you are scared. Where am I going? Who will take care of me? How can I be sure that I'll be okay? And here you go to the doctor. He injects you. And he pull your trousers down. And you had no choice about it. And you said, how can I be sure? The only sure that is really sure is faith in the word. Will I lose all my hair? 
Will I lose this? Will I lose that? I'm scared. I'm afraid. I'm getting old. Will my mind still work? God has made himself our the shorty for the unknown. Abraham went knowing nothing, but knowing one thing, that God has spoken to him. The word of God is the only thing you and I supposed to have and know. That's our assurance. Say with me, your word, oh God, is my assurance. Say again with me, oh Lord, your word is my assurance. For heaven and earth and my strength shall pass away. But your word is my assurance. And I am fully persuaded that your word will stand sure forever and ever and ever. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say, if I give my life to Jesus, how am I sure everything's going to be all right? Now, are you sure of everything going to be all right? I was preaching to a prostitute. She said to me, hey, if I give my life to Christ, how will I have what to eat? I said, that's the new world you are stepping into. It is a world of the unknown. It's a world of faith where you lean totally and completely and absolutely on the word of God. Where you live in a world created by the word. Say with me, live in a world created, formed, fashioned, and propelled by the word. That's where humans live. If you live in America, you will die. You are living the wrong address. You are formed to live in a world created by the word. That's where God will meet you. So Abraham said to God, how will I be sure that this land will be mine? Talking about the Jewish nation today, as my brother was saying. And God said to Abraham, now look at chapter 15 of that Genesis again, and verse 8, and he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit this land? And he said unto him, take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, divided them in the midst, and laid each part one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. That's God. Deep sleep and horror. That means man dethroned. So it means man dethroned. God can never be king till you are dethroned. God can never reign in you as long as you are on the throne. When God wants to do something mysterious in you and through you, the first thing he does is to dethrone you. In the Garden of Eden, devil told Adam, take control, be in charge. What do you need God for? 
You can run your own life. You can manage your own self. Are you that stupid? Come on. Don't need God to do all that. You can look at me. I'm the stupid old devil. I took control. You don't need to worship nobody. You can worship yourself. You can be on the throne of your own life. That's what sin is. Sin is man enthroned. When you're on the throne, God is dethroned. When you, God, man is dethroned, God, then God is enthroned. The first thing God did was to smack him to a deep sleep where his bread is no more working. God gave him anesthesia. I mean, he gave him that. He gave me, and he fell asleep. You, you, you can't oppress somebody with his eyes open. <laughs> somebody say, Hallelujah. You say, hey, Festus, you are killing me. That's exactly what I came to do. I came to kill you. <laughs> You'll be better when you are dead. <laughs> and so the first thing God did to him was to inject him and make him go to sleep. When God wants to do something deep and strong in your life, he puts you into slumber. You want a woman? Yeah, go to bed. Adam, you want a wife? Yes, sleep. As long as you are awake, I will make a woman for you. Hey, you want a, a husband? Yes, then I have to put you to sleep. As long as your eyes are open, you are looking at everybody that passes. Every boy is your, you try every, this one is too short, this one is too small. Oh, this one have no money. This one have a PM. Hey, as long as you are, your eyes are open, I can't do nothing. For me to get you a husband, I have to get you to sleep. Why many of you are not yet married is because you are still awake. And so God can't operate in a person whose eyes are hey, always thinking, hey, this one. And when everybody is you come to church, where are the boys here? God said, you ain't ready yet. When you are ready, I'll put you to sleep. When I put you to sleep, then I get you a husband. Can somebody say hallelujah? God showed us the way from the beginning. He had to put Adam to sleep. If not, he can't get a woman for him. Adam may say, oh, Lord, please make the leg longer. <laughs> and he had to put him to sleep. And for God to get Abraham to enter the covenant with him, he had to put him to a deep sleep. That's why sleep is good. I love sleeping. Rest well. That's when I have dreams and visions. And God put him to sleep. Aha. Now God can walk. God cannot walk while you are awake. That's why you have to enter to the rest of faith. Where you totally, completely rest. Say, Father, I go to bed. You know what you are doing. I rest in your wisdom. I rest in your power. I rest in your counsel. Can somebody say hallelujah? You have to understand the word of God is a living thing. Say with me, the word of God is a living thing. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces and it penetrates. As I'm speaking God's word right now, the word is piercing. It is penetrating to your inner man, to your spirit, to your soul, to your body marrow, to the cancer, to the tumor, to any disease and demons. The word of God is a living thing. And God put him to sleep. And then you remember there, and the Bible says, and when the sun was going down, 
It is lifted up by Abraham, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be in a stranger in a strange land, that that not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that, that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with a great substance. And thou shalt go to thy father's house in peace, to thy father's, father's in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come higher again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed through between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying unto him, To that seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates. The Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadomites, Hidatites, Perizzites, Rephems, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Gigashites, and the Jebusites. So what is Abraham's guarantee? Abraham said, how will I know? The only thing we are to know, the disciples are the Lord. Will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know. What is revealed belongs to us. Every secret thing belongs to God. I don't need to know everything. I don't need to know more about the devil than God wants me to know. I don't even want to know more about myself than God wants me to know. The Holy Ghost comes to help us to know and understand the things God has made available for us to know. Don't try to know more than what God is revealing to you to know. If you do, you are going into witchcraft. Stay within the boundaries. The only thing we have to know is to understand the covenant. Say with me, the covenant. Say again, the covenant. So Abraham said, how would I know? And God said, okay, let's make a covenant. And he cut those animals in pieces. And in the evening, God comes and walked through that bloodline. As the animals were cut in pieces, this space in between was a flow of the blood. The same way Christ took bread and he broke the bread. And he said, this is my body. And this is my blood. All you need to know is what is revealed to us in the covenant. What the terms of the covenant say. What God has spoken and promised us in the covenant we have with him through the broken body of Jesus Christ, through his blood. Folks, you are standing on a sinking ground as long as you are not firmly, clearly, daily, continuously anchored in what God has spoken and promised in the covenant we have with him by the blood of Jesus Christ. The American promise will kill you. People are running around trying to find a place where they think it's more safer. The Lord sent me to Czechoslovakia in 1993. It was a third world country. No black man comes there and stay. They're looking for a better place. I said, I'm not looking for a better place. Shame on better places. The best place is the place God said go. Somebody say hallelujah. That's the best place on earth. If God tell me today, hey, move to Afghanistan. I'm packed, I'm gone. Or to North Korea. Shame on good places. 
Christians, God's children, God has chosen you and called you to understand the covenant, to walk in the word, in the promises that is in the covenant. When you know that, look at the nation of Israel today as pastor was speaking. They are holding on to this place. The Jewish nation is holding on to that land, that piece of land, that small place in, 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 in the Middle East there. They are holding on to it. They are resisting every opposition. They are defending it with their own blood. Against every pressure, against every odd. A lot of ideas come, a lot of things come, but they hold on to it. Why are they holding on to it? Because it is promised them in the covenant. They are hanging on to that piece of property because it is a promise that is sealed in the Abrahamic covenant. It is sealed in the blood of birds and animals. God promised it to Abraham and they hold on to it. Today, God has promised you something in the covenant blood of Jesus Christ. As the Jew hold on to that little land, you and I are to hold on to the, with all tenacity, with every fiber of your being, to the covenant promises that is in Christ Jesus. Now listen, you are not worshiping Jesus. You are not honoring Christ because you sing in the church, because you pray, because you give offerings and tithe. Because you preach the gospel. The only way you can honor Christ. The only way you can glorify him. Is when you hold on with every fiber of your being. On the terms of the covenant. And you say I will never let go. His blood was shed. I'm holding on to the terms, the promises of the covenant. The Bible says when God made a promise to Abraham, I could not swear by anybody greater. So he swore by himself. That by two immutable things, which was disappointed for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. Abraham knew that God had sworn. God had made a promise. He also included an oath to make it more sure for Abraham, God swore by himself. But our own is not just a promise, an oath. Our own is that the, our high priest, Jesus Christ, the one who shed his blood, has died and risen. He's even alive now on the throne of God. And that promises in Christ we have as the anchor of the soul. Say with me, anchor of the soul. Say again, anchor of the soul. Now, many Christians have no anchor for their soul. They sing, they pray, they worship, they come to church, but their soul is floating. They are like sheep without anchor. And God has nothing to make good in their lives. Look at Israel. They are holding on to 
piece of little piece of property. Why? It's a covenant promise. Hebrews 6, 18 says, this we have as the anchor of the soul. We are in a time where many Christians and churches and people, they are floating on their emotion. They are chasing after their emotions and feelings. They have no anchor for their soul. They come to a church like this, they sing, they feel good. But they go out there with empty soul. They still have no anchor. And so they lean on thorns. Here the Bible says, and that's the anchor for the soul. And in fact, in verse, um, verse 18 of that book of Hebrews, that by two immutable things in which it was forgot to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, but sure and steadfast, and which entered into that within the veil. Where the foreigner is for us, and that even Jesus made an high priest forever out of the order of Melchizedek. And some people today have no anchor for the soul. The anchor for your soul is this precious, wonderful covenant oath and promises that we have in Jesus. When you come to the Father, come to him on the basis of the broken body and walk to the bloodline of Jesus Christ and come before his throne, presenting before him the terms, the promises, the covenant promises that is sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ. He took my sin. He took my sickness and disease. He is my shepherd. I am completing him. He conquered hell and death. That's why when Satan comes to me and attacks me, I look at him, I laugh. Poor devil. You are 2,000 years old. You think I'm stupid? You came late. Why do you let Christ rise from the dead? Poor, you go find some stupid Christian and kill, not me. Yes, of course. I know what is written in the word. Christ sealed it with his blood. We can come to the Father with confidence. Because heaven and earth shall pass away. Don't come to God with a sentiment. Don't come to God because you have a need. Your need doesn't move God. Your trouble doesn't move God. That you are dying doesn't move God. What moves God is this. When you come and say, Father, I come through the broken body of Jesus. I come through his blood. He took my sin and guilt. He took my curses and shame. And by his stripes I am healed. God said, now you are speaking the word of the covenant. In this covenant, all my needs are met. Through his blood, all my needs are met. God can never despise or turn away. When you lift up before him, the covenant sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what conquers Satan. That's what conquers hell. 
We are in a world full of noises and ideas and philosophy and emotions and everything is trying to... So much noise that we are alone. The very thing that's supposed to be the anchor hours of our soul to drift away. How can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Get back home. Do a homework. Get on your knees. And take this covenant more seriously than you take any other contract. That's how you honor Jesus. When you worship, when you pray, when you praise, when you give on this basis of the covenant. As the Jews hold on to the promise of Abraham to that piece of land, you hold on to the word of God's promises in Christ Jesus. That's the anchor for your soul, your emotion, your feeling. Your soul is looking for something to hold on to. And sometimes we just try to find something to make us happy, something to make us strong, something to stabilize. We are always trying to look, lean on somebody, or lean on this, but that's not what to lean on. You are to lean on on God's eternal word. Can somebody say hallelujah? I, this is your life. The wind is blowing. The earth is shaking. Things are falling apart. And many Christians will go down. But it don't have to be so. We can anchor our lives daily and continuously. In that bedrock. The anchor of our souls. The, the word of God is a substance. Everything else is a sinking sand. Luke 6, 48 says, The wise man digged deep. So it may dig deep and lay the foundation upon the rock. Many Christians doesn't want to dig deep. They want pastor to perform magic every Sunday. And that's why many pastors are performing magic. They are prophesying when God is not prophesying because they want to impress the people and make them feel good. Because the American Christians are, are, want to be, and flesh is on the throne, and self is on the throne, and they go where it is happening. When there's something new, somebody is coming here, somebody famous. They want to be feel good and be entertained. That's not Christianity. That's not the way. God wants you to be rooted and grounded. God wants you to dig deeper and lay the foundation up of your life upon the rock. Say with me, hallelujah. You have to dig a little deeper. That 10 minutes prayer. Some people go to church on Sunday for the whole week. They never open their Bible. They never open the Bible for the whole week. They appear again. They are too busy. They are too busy. And whatever is not upon the rock, the devil has the right to steal. Jesus said, upon this rock. Say with me, upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why is the gates of hell prevailing against Christians today? And churches. And they say that rock is Christ. Yes, that rock is Christ. But that's not the only rock. 
Jesus said to Peter, you are Peter. That's the first thing he said. You are Peter. You are a stone. And upon this rock, I will be the foundation. That was, a, was, a rock, was a Peter there. Peter is a stone. You are living stone. The rock, Christ, the rock, revelation, must be laid upon the stone. What's the stone? Your human spirit. Whatever, whatever truth you know, which has not found itself deep enough to your human spirit, only hangs in your head. It is not on the rock. Something and somebody can think you out of it. God's plan was to tattoo the engrave his word by the tongue of fire into your inner man. You are a spirit. God is a spirit. God talks to spirits, not to heads. Can somebody say hallelujah? Well, I better stop. We can in the evening. I better stop. That's kind of bad preaching today. I better stop. We continue in the evening. Upon this rock. You are Peter and upon this rock. Peter in the rock. The stone in the rock. Some take the rock and lay it on ordinary sand. No, the rock has to be laid upon the stone. Every revelation, every knowledge must be laid in your spirit man. You dig deeper and then. If you just go throwing the seed, the sower went out the sow. He threw the seed by the pot, on the rock, on the stone, on the, on the, on the, on the, on the, yeah. What happened? Nothing. Until he finds the right soil. You can be in church for 10 years, and then finally say, oh, now I'm getting it. Now I know what a screaming guy is saying. Now I know. At last you know, at last you are understand. He's been coming here for years, but I never understand nothing. At last, now at last your inner man is opening up and the truth at last is sinking deep into your inner consciousness. Open, I will lay. When that connects, not even the devil can destroy it. But some use their head. On Sunday morning, I tell people on Sunday morning, you have uh, the biggest ping pong on earth. You throw the word, they hit it. Boom. That's for her. That's for him. That's for her. And they, <laughs> you, you fire in the message, they are shooting out their heads. But at last, the word sinks deep into your inner man. Today, I challenge you, honor Jesus Christ. Worship him. You worship him when you hold on to what he has accomplished for you, just like the Jew hold the land in Palestine. And you never let go. When you take lightly what he has done for you, I don't even know, don't even want to know, not even allow to sink deep, you are not honoring him. All your prayer and praise is a waste of time. You are honoring him when you hold tenaciously to the terms of the promises and the sacrifice he has made for your life. And you are not willing to let go. 
in honor of him. Can somebody say hallelujah? You are not going to take lightly what Jesus Christ paid for with his own blood. If you take that lightly, you are taking lightly his sacrifice. And anything you do is a waste of time. You stand your ground today and try to understand and know and put into your heart what he shed his blood for. And you stick your life to it. With every fiber of your being. No devil, no flesh, no politics will talk you out of it. That's what it means to worship and honor Jesus. Lord, you shed your blood for this. Lord, your broke, body was broken for this. Lord, you pay such a price for this. For me to be pure, for me to be clean, for me to be free from sin. You paid with your own life for me to be forgiven my sins. You bore my agony and pain. You bore the torment of my mind that I might have a sound mind. Lord, because you did that, I cling to what you have done. I can never despise what Christ has done. I hold on to what he has done by his blood. That word, that's what it means to be a Christian. It's not just coming to church and clapping your hands. It's you holding tenaciously to what he has bought with his own blood. Now, that's not what many Christians want. They want God to help them. They want a miracle. They want God to bless them. They don't really care much of what Christ has paid with his own blood. They don't really care much about it. Yeah, he loves me. Yeah, he Okay, Lord, bless me now. You are despising the blood of Jesus. And all we come for is for a blessing. Listen, God healed sinners. God blessed criminals. That's nothing for him. But your glory and my glory and your strength... In these last days, and the anchor of your soul is for you to passionately, personally, intimately, and strongly lay hold on what he has accomplished by his blood. That's worship. That's Christianity. That's faith. And that's what you can be sure of. That when you do, God will Make it good. Can we stand, please? Praise the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Say with me, oh Lord Jesus. I want you to be glorified and magnified. I return back with all my heart to look into and to understand all you died for. Lord, I cling to them. I totally give myself to them. I will never let go of the covenant that you established for me with the Father through your broken body and through your blood. That's my life. That's my glory. That's all I have. And that's all I am sure of. I will walk in that covenant for the rest of my day. I build my life upon that covenant. Oh, in the name of Jesus. And I receive, I receive every blessings and every graces of that covenant. In that covenant is my forgiveness. 
Not covenant is my deliverance. Not covenant is the Holy Ghost. Not covenant is my healing. In that covenant, I have all my needs met. In that covenant, I am not my own. I belong to Jesus. I come to honor you, Jesus. Your broken body and your blood. I lay my life on the altar of sacrifice where you laid your life for me. I am in covenant with you. I worship you. I worship you. If you are here this morning, maybe somehow at last you got it. And you really now understand. It's not about church, Christianity, or religious things. They can be great as long as they have their root and force in the understanding of the covenant. As the Jews cling to that land in Palestine, because they know what is written, you cling to that covenant sealed in the blood of Jesus. If you are here this morning, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I want to surrender my life and live and be anchored in the word of God. In the God's promises in Christ Jesus. One person, two person, three person, four, five, six. Every eyes closed, every head bow. You say, Pastor, pray for me. Now I understand. I have been going to church all my life, but I never really got it. Now I get it. The word is the most influential and strongest thing. Put your hand up if you want me to pray for you. One person, two person, three, four, five, six, seven. He said, pray for me. I truly want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I truly want to walk in the covenant promises of God. One person, one, two. Come on, put your hand up. That's your glory. That's You have nothing on earth outside that. God has nothing to do with you if you ignore this covenant. He has nothing to do with you. You can do all your religion. You are wasting your time. God will meet you in the place of the covenant. One person to come on. Put your hand up high. Don't be ashamed. Put your hand up high. One, two, three, four. Come on. Boldly, confidently come into the front quickly. I'm going to pray for you. One, don't see that. Just come. You, I see you there. Come in here. You, I see you there. Come. Just come. Come quickly. Let God see you. Take that step of faith. Just come here. That step of faith. Come. One, two, three, four, five, six. Come on. Come here. I want to pray with you. This is your morning. This is your day. This is your hour. This is your time. You can begin to walk firmly on the world created by the word of God. One more person. To, just forget about anybody here. Please, this is your own choice. It's your own destiny. It's your morning. It's your time. And from today, you begin to walk in that covenant. Firmly, come quickly, come quickly. At least it's supposed to be at least seven persons in here this morning. At least seven, come quickly. I'm going to be praying very soon. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Join us if you can quickly. Let's pray.
Come here in the front. Step out on the covenant. Now pray with me, those of you here in the front. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I have heard of the broken body of Jesus and his blood. I come through the broken body and through his blood before your throne. I bow in Jesus' name. I ask you, oh God, be my God. Oh God, be my Father. Have mercy on me. Forgive my sins in Jesus' name. I have no merit of my own. I come only by the merit of the covenant sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Have mercy on me. Forgive me and cleanse me from all my sins. Purge my conscience from every evil, from every evil I have lived in. Set me free from the lies I lived in and the lies I believed and the lies that I used to be. Establish my life today in the truth, your truth, your word. Establish my faith upon the solid rock of your word. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross for my sins. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He is alive. Come, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Today, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You belong to me, and I belong to you. And I worship 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 you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Forgive and cleanse. Make new and make glorious. Forgive and cleanse. Make new and make glorious. Forgive, O oh Father, and cleanse. Make new and make glorious in Jesus' name. Forgive, Father, and cleanse. Make new and make glorious in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap if you can. Praise the Lord. Now, there are people here that have such intense pain in their body. I'll be praying in the evening for people who are sick. But there are some people here that really have terrible pain in their body. Put your hand there. I want to pray for you first before pastor comes up. Please. I don't want you to go home with that pain. I hate, I hate pain. If you have pain in your body, mostly in your back, just put your hand right there. I, I don't want you to go home with that pain. And also migraine in the head. Put your hand on your head. You have a terrible migraine. In the evening, going to be a healing meeting here tonight, the miracles, but I just want you to receive this touch of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch, 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 heal, heal now. Pain, I break your power. Come out in Jesus' name. And Satan, I break your dominion. In your influence in their bodies. Lose your hold now. In Jesus name. Angels of God. Minister to them now. In the name. Of Jesus Christ. 
and somebody said amen